John chapter 20 records this. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, that would be John, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb and they were both running. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, he lying there, but he didn't go in. And Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded and lying apart from the other wrappings. And Jesus, who had reached, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Amen. Amen. It's a great, great message. Jesus is, as we saw in that video, Jesus has many names. Jesus meets each person in a unique way, according to your need. So you could say Jesus is many things. You could finish that sentence in many ways. You might finish it in in, in a way that says, Jesus is my rock. Jesus is my friend, my savior, my shepherd, and so on. How you have experienced Jesus and the reality of him through scripture and in your own life. But notice that we did not say Jesus was. We don't say Jesus was. That's how we talk about loved ones who have, who have passed away, isn't it? You can say, oh, my sister was a great cook or my grandpa was a good ball player. I have no idea what that sound is, but <laughs> the birds are just flying around and just enjoy it. Um, they'll get that sorted out in a moment. There's no was with Jesus. Jesus is. And to say Jesus is, is to say Jesus is alive. I want to read to you, I just read to you from, from the Gospel of John, which is written by, oddly enough, a guy named John, who walked with Jesus. But he also wrote, uh, well, he wrote five books in the New Testament, and one of them is called Revelation. And in, in John was is one of was one of Jesus' leading disciples and responsible for these books. And it was called Revelation because of what was revealed to John about the present age and things to come. The revelation. And so I'm going to read it from Revelation chapter one, verse twelve, because John shared a vision of of seeing and of hearing the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus had a message for him to share with the leading churches of the day. It's called the Letters to the Seven Churches. You can read it sometime yourself in Revelation 2 and 3. And as I, as we see this, we, we see that, that, that Jesus is, it's, comes to John. And, and I want you to, to notice the detail with which John describes his experience of, of this vision. This is not some jumbled, wacky dream of a guy, you know, who had too much pizza the night before, well, hummus the night before, right? And... Uh, and now he's dreaming about a dead friend. That's not what's happening. There's such detail in here. It's such clarity that we know it's just, this is true. In fact, that's one of the things that distinguish a vision from a dream, the clarity with which it comes. And listen what he, what he says, what John wrote. He says this in verse 12. I, I turned to see who was speaking to me. I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. 
His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. Ever been at the coast? Ever been on a really big stormy day and the crashing waves? He, he held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. There's three thoughts I want to share with you this morning about what Jesus is and who Jesus is and, and why it matters to you. And the first is this. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. We celebrate today the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus who had been arrested and tortured and scourged and mocked and harassed and crucified. The evidence for the suffering of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus and the death of Jesus has been verified studied and analyzed and verified by credible experts over the centuries multiple times his wounds were deemed have been deemed to be absolutely unsurvivable jesus was most definitely dead killed at the hands of expert executioners if you're wondering about that if you've got curiosity about that you really like to know sincerely a great book i recommend for that is called the case for christ written by lee strobel the case for christ it's actually in a movie as well and so you know there's Netflix may have that. And now Jesus is most definitely alive with plenty of witnesses. These disciples who saw him, John saw him. John's vision encounter with the living Christ, it's somewhere between awesome and terrifying and beautiful. It's, it's so impacting for him. John wasn't the only one to testify to the living Christ. The apostle Paul, some 25 or maybe 30 years after the resurrection, he wrote this, he wrote this to his, his friends in Corinth, the Christians in, in, in Corinth. And he says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. That Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Next slide. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, Paul says, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. That's a lot of witnesses. That's a lot of people that saw Jesus written in a time when most of those people were still alive. If you had any doubts, you could go ask him. How about you? Did you see him? Yeah, I saw him. Did you see him? Yeah, I saw him. He was alive. Even today, believers around the world will tell you that Jesus is alive. They know it to be true because they experience him. I'm sure you saw on the news a few weeks, maybe a month ago, Vice President Mike Pence got roasted pretty badly because he, he admitted that he talks to Jesus and he hears Jesus speak to him. And he was mocked for that. But you know what? That's normal for a believer. We're invited to know Jesus personally. You cannot personally know someone who's dead. You can only have a relationship with someone who is alive. Well, why does it matter? Why does it matter that Jesus is alive? It matters because Jesus, it means that Jesus is not a concept. He's not a philosophy. He's not a worldview. He's not just an, a, an idea, a wish, a hope, a fantasy. Even right now, Jesus is alive and he's, he's present here in this place by his Holy Spirit. Jesus is alive. 
And it matters. And it matters because you can only have eternal life because Jesus was raised to life and defeated death. As we read, he holds the keys to the grave. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 4, verse 25. He says, he, speaking of Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. There's a two-part process. Jesus was handed over, he died for our sins and he was raised to give us life. It's like his death, uh, you know, it's like a two-part transaction. His crucifixion paid the price, but his resurrection sealed and signed the deed. It said paid in full, closed the books on our sin and on your sin. And you might think, yeah, but uh, some stuff's too much. No, it's all done. Jesus paid it all. Guaranteed, Jesus is alive. You need to know that. But not only do we have eternal life by faith in Christ, you know, eternal life that comes you know, distant time, that eternal life starts now. The moment you trust in Him. And you can have hope both for this life and for what's to come. Hope now and hope in the future. Because this, we said Jesus is alive, but Jesus is hope. Jesus is hope. Listen to what John wrote. I'm going to be in the same book, Revelation. Let me take you to chapter 21. Verses 1 through 4. It says this. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. It's not just want to make your sigh a big sigh of relief. Catch that? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. No more death or sorrow. Or crying. Or pain. How awesome. You know it does mean that until then. We will have tears. And death. And sorrow. And crying. And pain. It's part of the reality of our life. I don't like it. I don't think you like it. Just this week I sat with a friend whose 28 year old daughter. Has just been diagnosed with an aggressive multiple sclerosis. That's. That's heartache and pain. That's sorrow and crying. Some of you right now are, 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 are dealing with, you know, you're shedding tears over your uh, diagnosis or you're supporting someone in treatment or, or you've recently lost someone and you feel it. You know it's true. There's sorrow and there's crying and there's pain. Now, sometimes, this is the really good news, sometimes God intervenes and we experience a miracle healing. But but we will all leave these mortal bodies someday. Someday we will. Romans chapter 8, verses 22 puts this. I've got this on, on the screen as well. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though, I don't mean just those of us who are like over 45 and just getting up in the morning. I mean like really groaning, right? 
we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Next slide. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. The moment you put your faith in Christ, you have this hope. I, I, I don't care if you're a, an Olympic athlete right now or far from that. The day is coming when your body is going to fail. It's going to end. And a, a day is coming of, of hope, of new bodies. But those words, groaning, pain, suffering, those are accurate words, aren't they? I mean, I just think about, you know, things I've been reading about, the, the record number of adolescents today and I would say adults as well, who are grappling with crippling anxiety, depression, self-loathing, fear, right? Those of us, you know, in middle age, we're like finding our bodies are letting us down. Like, what is going on? Those of you in your golden years are, honestly, you're coming to grips with, with mortality. My, my dad, who's 88, just always tells me, he says, I can't understand who that old guy in the mirror is. He says, I don't feel 88. Right? We need hope for more than this life can deliver. The resurrection proves that Jesus is hope. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. If Jesus could take all your sins to the grave and be raised to life, God can do anything else. If you're a believer in Jesus and you have no hope today... You need to meditate on this good news. That Jesus is alive. But life is temporary. And the days of no more tears is coming. Now, sometimes we get, uh, you know, a real-time, tangible, inspiring assurance of our hope to come. So I invited a friend of ours, Debbie. Deb, when, if you'd come here and join me on the stage. And Debbie's just gone through... Um, well, it's just been quite a season the last couple of years for you, Deb, and I, we want you to share with us and, um, and tell us your story, and then you're going to play your violin to kind of demonstrate what God has done in your life. And uh, Deb plays with the uh, symphony, so maybe just tell us your position with that as well, and uh, have you share. Okay. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you all for... Um, giving me the opportunity to speak today, and thank you, Pastor Brian, for the opportunity. I'm going to be perfectly honest and let you know that if I took the microphone and put it to my heart right now, we wouldn't need a drummer for the worship band. <laughs> so I am not normally a public speaker, so um, I did write a few notes down, so I hope you'll bear with me uh, about some of the things that I've gone through. And um, First of all, again, my name is uh, Debbie Wynn, and I'm a violinist with the Fresno Philharmonic. Um, I'm also a wife and a mother of twins, and that does keep me very busy, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever been in a situation where everything comes to an immediate halt and where your life takes a sudden turn of events and kind of changes the way you look at life and family and just the uh, basic health of your of your life and uh, my story began, um, it's going to be hard because I was already like in tears over the worship team, so this is going to be a challenge for me. But um, 
About two years ago, I did become very ill, as many of you know, and uh, had some severe abdominal issues. I had lost about uh, 35 pounds and had to get um, iron infusions for anemia, and uh, my basic health was spiraling down. It forced me to take an immediate leave of absence from the Philharmonic and from my private lessons and teaching life in general. It's difficult. A few weeks later, um, more trouble came in the form of medical manifestations. I got arrhythmodendosum. It's a bruising and knots up and down my legs, and it was so severe that my ankle got so swollen I couldn't walk for about eight weeks on crutches and struggling with that. Then I started having severe reactions with the medications they were giving me to the point where I couldn't eat. (laughs) So you can see where this is going. About a month later, I noticed that my feet were going numb, my legs were going numb, my uh, fingertips started to go numb, as well as my abdominals. So it was, uh, about three trips to the ER, three <laughs> trips to the ER, and nobody could diagnose it. They thought I was having a spinal injury and sent me home with uh, more medication that actually messed everything up a little bit more, so it was getting more difficult. Um, I did have a praise God moment in the middle of this where we were able to actually get in with a neurologist within like a few days after all this was happening, which was incredible because we all know getting in to see a specialist takes months, not not days. So this was this was a wonderful moment for me. She immediately diagnosed me with um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, which I think one other person here has actually had. It's not a fun thing to have. Um, it basically is a... Um, peripheral nerve damage um, that causes temporary paralysis. And so I started becoming paralyzed, starting with my feet and heading north, <laughs> which wasn't good being a violinist, of course, losing my hands, and um, it's very challenging. Um, they, uh, she immediately called the ambulance straight from the doctor's office. My husband and I, we just immediately in the ambulance went to the hospital, and I didn't come back home for a long time. So... Um, they were able to stop it fairly quickly by using a treatment called uh, plasmapheresis. I learned a lot of terminologies while I was going through all this, so it's amazing how my medical language has um, flourished, unfortunately. I wish that was an April Fool's joke, but it's not. <laughs> um, it actually became the most frightening for me when um, the nurse came in and asked if I wanted to sign a DNR, which we all know what that is, and I did not. Um, started having a little bit of a frightening moment at that at that time where it became very real that um, the Guillain-Barre can also move up into your lungs, your heart, can stop things and paralyze them. And that was a little bit um, frightening to think that it would get to that point. Um, it was pretty uh, special when I started seeing God's handiwork. Actually, I got a text out of the blue from our women's and children's pastor, Annette, and she um, felt prompted from the Lord to text me out of the blue and just see how am I doing. I was actually in the hospital at that time. So this was really a neat um, time for me that she was able to do that. Um, at that point, I knew that people were praying for me, and I really felt those prayers. That's when I started feeling there there was hope in the future. I was hoping. You're, you never know when you're in the middle of it, but I, I at least had started feeling um a peace wash over me that I know only the Lord could give. I I can't even explain it, but I did feel a sense of more calm and just knowing that there was um, people praying, and it just made the, the biggest difference in my life. 
My priorities began to change. I was in the Lord's hands now, good or bad, and I couldn't move. So there was nothing I could do, so I began praying for others, many of you, <laughs> believe it or not. So that, I found a lot of comfort in that. Um, moving me into the inpatient rehab at that point, um, I learned how to walk again, how to hold a pencil and scribble out my name. Um, I had to learn how to take a shower and eventually walk up a flight of stairs, and honestly, it felt like I was climbing Mount Everest. Uh, when I finally came home, it was amazing to see how my family had learned to do things on their own, laundry, cleaning, um, cooking. I hate to say this, but that alone is a miracle. <laughs> no offense. They're not here this service, so I might have to rephrase that next service. Okay. And I wrote L-O-L. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyhow, um, okay, what I was trying to say there was... Uh, I realize now that they are going to be on this journey with me for better or for worse. And the church members brought over some meals for our family at this time. So thank you. The soup was wonderful. <laughs> I also began noticing how God was strategically placing certain people in my life at the precise moment. That was really neat. Um, when things settled down a bit, I tried playing my violin for the first time, and I ran the um, bow over the string, and it squeaked and it bounced and I actually didn't know if I was going to be able to. This is where I'm going to to play again. I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Okay. But um. You're doing great. I I'll I'll hurry this along. Sorry. You're doing great. Okay. Take your time. Like I said. Dun 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 dun. So, after that time went by, I um, started being internally prompted to join Bethany's Tuesday morning Bible study, which is a blessing not only to be prayed for and supported by these lovely ladies is also giving me a chance to pray and, and pray for others and see a bigger picture. Ironically or not, the Bible study was about the armor of God, which is Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. This gave me a pretty, came in pretty handy over the next few months. While recovering from GBS, I would like to take, um, which would take years to come. I am still struggling with not it, am, but I was still struggling severely with abdominal issues and was now immediately admitted to UCSF Medical Center. Apparently, I am a very rare case. I didn't think it was special enough to be a violinist and to be a mother of twins. I had to be rare in this way as well, which is challenging. (laughs) The medication that I was on after trying several others has also the possibility of giving me um, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Which, which, I'm trying to say, but there is not a lot of research done to give me a clear percentage on this. After a week in the hospital, I did get the green light from all the teams of specialists to give it a go. And honestly, I haven't felt this good in eight years. I believe that the Lord got me through to see these doctors at the precise time. My gut was so full of ulcers that the doctor said it was like stars too many to count is now healed. And my body is almost completely healed from the GBS, and praise God for that. I also have gotten my hands back and able to play a comeback performance last January with my husband and my boys, who are also musicians, and able to play last month, restarting with the Philharmonic. Wow. This is a huge milestone. (laughs) Praise God. And... To wrap this up, I can't say enough how grateful I am for all your prayers that were said, and I felt them all. I don't know 
what the rest of my journey will bring, but I know my priorities have changed, and I can be grateful to God for that. In musical terms, of course, sorry guys, <laughs> without the development section or the turmoil, we can't truly understand the rise to the ending to change our priorities and give us an opportunity to grow. Just as without Jesus' death, we wouldn't have the resurrection. How can we truly understand his glory? So thank you so much for allowing me to share my, my journey as well as my music with you today. Amen. All right. I want you to enjoy what, what Deb's about to share for us. Thank you for sharing your testimony. Thanks, Deb, for sharing. I, I would just say, if you do not know Jesus personally, yourself, I'm going to give you the opportunity in a few moments at the end of the message to pray a prayer of surrender and to trust in Him. We're going to close later with a closing song. Our prayer team will be available to, to pray with you. God is good and He's your hope. Jesus is hope. Deb, Jesus was your hope in that time.
There's one more reality I want to share with you. And that Jesus is salvation. Jesus is salvation. John 5.24 says this. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they've already passed from death to life. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Eternal life. I don't know if you've ever tried to rescue a cat. Got a picture here. I know, you're wondering, what does that have to do with anything, Brian? You know, cats can rescue themselves, by the way. I read that the uh, the London Fire Brigade spends something like 300,000 pounds a year rescuing animals. Uh, uh, but the reason why you can't rescue a cat from a tree is they don't listen. Cats never listen. Cats do their own thing. They, in fact, they don't listen. They tell you what to do. That's what, that's, you can't work with a cat because they won't listen. They won't trust you, no matter how well you've taken care of them. But what about this? What about kids when they jump into the pool? And my kids were little. I remember when, when my son Alex was about two years old, we lived in an apartment and there was a pool there and he learned to swim and, and he had zero fear. Alex, jump in, and he just, he'd leap into the pool, usually before you're ready, and, and, you know, kind of take, take you out on the way down. That's, that's easier for some, harder for others, for some of these kids, but it's this listening. If anyone hears my voice, Jesus says, right, here's my message, and, and believes, trusts in God who sent me, they will be rescued. That child who, who stands on the edge of that pool and listens to the dad say, come on, come on, and trusts him is going to be okay. That's what you're invited to do. There's these two critical verbs in this verse. Listen, believe. Listen to the message of Jesus, putting your faith in him, and believe that Jesus is the son of God who died for your sin and rose again. And then the third key word comes in, life, you will live. Listen, believe, live. That's what Jesus says. Listen, believe, and live. Jesus is your salvation. There's no guarantee of a trouble-free life. We already talked about that. There's the tears and the sorrow. But there's a guarantee of eternal life. A life of hope that begins the moment you listen and believe. You've already passed, Jesus said. You've already passed from death to life. When you put your faith in Jesus, you've been raised to life, like we sang in that song this morning. But no one else can make that jump into the pool for you. It's your decision. Now, most people, most of your friends, maybe you're one of them, would say, I feel fine. I don't, I don't need any of the salvation business you're talking about. I'm fine. My life's good. I got it all together. It's going okay. I don't have a serious illness. If, if I'm really, in trouble, I'll, you know, I'll turn to God then. I'm telling you, you need salvation. Because in our sin, no matter how good you are, no matter how nice you are, no matter how successful you are, in sin, you are dead. In your regrets, in your self-reliance, in your anxiety, in, in, in your whatever it is that you're struggling with, in that you are dead. And you need to be resurrected to life. In Jesus. Who else besides Jesus has, has extended the offer of forgiveness from sin? Who else? No one. No one. Who else offers hope? Who else offers eternal life? And then, 
just to prove that he's not joking around, rises from the dead to prove that it can be yours. He has the authority and the power to make good on his promises. Only Jesus does that. Only Jesus. He's calling to you. Right now. If you've been a believer for years, days, decades, he's calling you to engage deeper in your trust in him. Say, Jesus, I, I'm going to trust you more. I'm going to lean into you more. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, if you've never yielded your life to him, you might feel a little, little knock on the door of your heart. Revelation 3 says, Jesus speaking, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone would hear my voice and open the door and let me in, I'll come and I'll, I'll have a meal with you. I'll stay with you. We'll, we'll hang out together. It's a one-way door. It can only be opened from the inside. Jesus won't push it in. He won't kick it down. But he invites you to experience his life, his hope, his salvation. We're going to pray uh, right now. And I'm, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sin and rose again. And I trust in you. I'm going to pray a little prayer like that. And if you pray that with me, I'm going to ask you to just let one of us know afterwards. And after I'm done that, then the worship team will come and lead us in one closing song. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? God, I'm so grateful that you are life, that you are hope, and that you are salvation through Jesus Christ. I just give you praise for that this morning. Let that become more real than it's ever been. And Lord, for anyone in this this room right now whose heart is just crying out, that just feel that knocking on the door of their heart saying, yes, I want to open that door, Lord. I want to give them that opportunity. Friend, if that's you right now, if you know that Jesus is knocking on your door, just in your own way, would you just pray this with me? Just say, dear Jesus, I need forgiveness from my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again to give me life. I trust you now as the Lord of my life for all my days. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I want you to let someone know after the service. Worship team, I'm going to invite you to join me here on the stage as you get ready to lead us in one song. I have, I have a message for those of you who are believers. You've walked with Jesus a long, long time. Some of us still walk around with guilt or regret, maybe anger, maybe unforgiveness, maybe bitterness, maybe shame, maybe something that was done to you you've never told anybody, maybe something that you did that you've never admitted to, maybe something you just can't seem to, seem to shake or get a handle on in your life. You want Jesus to set you free from that. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's a long process. But Jesus does the work. Jesus does the work. You need to be raised to life. You need to be resurrected in Christ. You can't change your past. But by releasing your past, you can change your future. You don't have to stay stuck where you are. It's gone on long enough. It's gone on long enough. You got It's time to let it go. And uh, prayer team members and some extra prayer team people, if I could just ask you to be ready on the side to pray during this song, you might say, yeah, I need to pray with somebody today. I just, I'm just ready to let it go. Maybe you're just totally burdened for someone else today. You're just, your heart's just breaking for someone else in your life and your family, friend, a neighbor, coworker. Go and get prayer for that person. Just say, I'm just, I'm just crying out to Jesus for this person today. 
Let's bring it to him. Let's not be afraid to bring it to him. Come on, church. Let's not be afraid to bring it to him. Let's pray. It's, it's just my challenge to say, I want to live in the power and the new life of the resurrected Christ. And you commit to that as we sing this song.